Hey everybody, it's J.D. Heyman uh, at the WAG Studios here in beautiful Brentwood, Los Angeles, California, with your weekly WAGcast for Friday, January 28th, and I'm joined by J.P. Olson, our executive producer at the WAG Studios in Brooklyn. How are you, J.P.? I'm good. How are you, J.D.? I'm great. I wanted to talk to you about all the wonderful things that I'm excited about. Are you watching The Gilded Age, J.P.? You know, I'm not watching it, but I know it's on HBO. It's on HBO, your favorite uh, institution. Yeah, you know they call it HBO in England. Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is that really true? Yeah, no, I'm not making that up. I, I spoke with British people on the regular, and they would say, I love all the work that you do at HBO. <laughs> I don't, that, that's funny, because there's no, I guess it's a misplaced... Anyway, the point is there's a character in uh, The Gilded Age, and this is a woman. She's trying to break into New York society. She's like new money, and she's built this giant house, and she's like sent off all these invitations, and she's trying to get all of like the asters and all the, all the society muckety-mucks to come to her house. And, and in the first episode, JP, she has this big, you know, she plans this big party because it's going to signal her arrival into high society, and like two people come, and they've bought all this lobster, and they've bought all this stuff, and, and it's just rotting. It's not going anywhere. She can't mm. do anything with it, and she's very upset, and at the end, she she likes, she's in her room, and she's stewing, and she basically, um, she's like, I'll show them. I'm going to crush these snobs, and that's how I feel every time I don't get an email back from somebody. I feel exactly that way. I would be very curious. Do you remember that name, um, Anna Sorokin? Do you remember that name? Uh, she was the Russian-born German woman that fleeced uh, Lower Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, yes, I know. And she, there's a movie coming out about her or a show. Yeah, yeah. I think she, what was her, she went by uh, Anna Delvey. Yes, that's right. What yeah. is that? That's just, you think, that is that how you feel? You feel like a German fraudster? <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I, if, if I didn't get what I wanted in Russia and Germany, I'd be pissed. That's what I Well, thinking. you know, it reminds me of Clark Rockefeller. Wasn't that the guy's name? Was that is his name. And he was also German, right? He was yeah. German as well. I love imposters. I do. I love imposter stories. I really do. Well, the point of this whole thing, yeah, when they get mad, and yeah. he killed people. He was a murderer, Yeah, that right? part, of, yeah, I shouldn't celebrate that, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, you seem a little too gleeful. <laughs> narratively speaking, I, I enjoy the imposter. We all now. love an imposter narrative, because in America, we're a country of imposters. We're all posing. Wait, did we're you just come up with be, that? Yes, I do believe, I, well, I don't think I'm the first. Mm. I think it'd be fair to say. The whole point of this was to say that you should watch The Gilded Age on HBO. Yes. Shall we move along? HBO on HBO. That's really funny. HBO. Anyway, uh, on TV this week, I was really excited also to see that Pam and Tommy's going to be on. You know, that's the biopic about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee in their video from the 90s. So I finally get to see that sex tape, except reenacted by other people. Is that what's happening? It's reenacted by other people, including Lily James as Pamela Anderson, which is funny because Lily James was in Downton Abbey, which was made by Julian Fellows, which um, is the per- which who is the person who made the Gilded Age? So help me! Stuff. I'm falling through a trapdoor of, of the arcane. 
It's crazy, right? You're kind of in some kind of through-the-looking-glass connections. The point is that Pam and Tommy is also on. Lily James plays Pam. She's really, really good. And you kind of root for her, and you think Pam really got a raw deal. And as I mentioned to you before, the only thing I know about... I never watched the video like you did millions of times. Actually, we talked about this before, and I, I, we, I expressly said I didn't watch the video. Well, but I didn't go, either. But go, but go I was on. eight years old. Um, uh, no, I wasn't eight years old, but I thought I'd try to say that. Yeah, yeah that's you good. Know, because that makes me seem cooler. If I'm, because um, if I was eight when that, anyway, kind of felt a little like a guy trying to do the limbo a little bit later in life. Do <laughs> you think so? Is that how I come off? I'm like that, like that guy was like the guy who takes the hustle classes in 1978. The guy who like was like I'm on uh, this internet thing. Okay, here's the. Uh, I think we can move on. I get the point, JP. I get the paint. You're painting a picture of me as a hapless old person. <laughs> sad person and what we really want to talk we're talking about pam and tommy jp yeah, yeah and we're talking about it because as we had discussed focus yes you were in the video um <laughs> as we had discussed in the video i have always heard that there's a scene or there's well it's not scenes because it's you know it's reality TV. Um, he tries to drive a houseboat with his little friend. And I feel like that's a dangerous uh, thing to try. Yeah. And I don't endorse it in any way. No. I feel like this is not going anywhere good, and we should move yeah, on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is woof, woof. Anyway, do you want to try to tell people, because I recommended Fraggle Rock, do you want to try to tell them about your Frank Oz story in a more entertaining Oh, I blew this. Yeah, because he said it was Frank Oz. Well, yeah, I, here's I could just tell the story quickly, which is I met Frank Oz and sat next to him for a half hour, had a great conversation that I didn't know it was Frank Oz until someone told me after he was gone. And Frank Oz obviously was a longtime associate of Jim Henson, who created Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, is on Apple TV Plus. Nice. If you have small kids. Yeah. So that's how that works. Okay, we're not going to recommend any more television because we've obviously gone. Yeah. Haywire. Um, Paige is flying up. Who's got time? We want to talk about a book? We want to talk about a book? Um, or do we want to talk about uh, music? What do we want to talk well, about? You know, yeah, it sounded like you said book first, so let's go with book and then music. Okay, let's do that. Well, um, I wanted to talk about this book by Jed Pearl, which is really um, getting a lot of critical interest. It's called Authority and Freedom, A Defense of the Arts. And his argument is that everybody is too worried about art being relevant and politically correct or incorrect. By the way, this is not an ideological statement. Mm. He doesn't believe in any ideological agenda in the arts, making art better. Mm -hmm. um, he thinks arts should not be relevant. Art should be irrelevant. It should transcend relevance. Yeah. Get your head around that. And he talks about Mozart, Aretha Franklin, Jane Austen, Picasso. He says, we need to stop trying to examine art through the lens of our current politics and social agendas, which is harder to do than it is to say, which is pretty hard to say, but it's really hard to do, right? Yeah, I think it can you do no, it. No, I mean, it's deeply encoded in our culture at this point. It's almost ex expected, and if you don't do it, then what are you doing? Like, how do you even talk about anything without thinking about the contemporary political scene? Or as my parents used to say, the personal is political. 
because they were in the Weather Underground. <laughs> <laughs> were your parents actually in the they we- in the Weather Underground? They were. They were in the they were in the cadets. They were in the um, they were in the junior league of the Weather Underground. <laughs> no, they were. My parents were radicals in the sense that they were um, at the tail end of the '60s. My mother. Um, my mother, um, as you know, was from Venezuela. She was very much involved in um, sort of, uh, I would say, um, a movement toward um, a larger Latin identity. Or um, she wasn't a Chicana, but um, because she was from Venezuela, but she was very much involved in that. And my my stepfather was a professor and was very involved with a lot of. Uh, both of them were very involved in in politics and and what I would call left-wing politics of that I time. have a question. What, what so, do you think they would think about that argument? Because they're coming out of... I don't... Yeah, I don't think they would agree. I mean, I think that they... Their politics changed as as people's politics do with time, but I think that they would have found it impossible to look at anything that human beings make and disconnect it from politics. But... But I think that in itself is um, something relatively new. Like I think, as you were talking to me earlier, you know, in the 30s and the 40s, people made overtly political art. Um, but I don't know that, um, you know, if you were looking back 100 or more years, that people necessarily framed framed art that way. So it is an interesting topic. Um, I'm not sure what they would think about it. Um, I think it's hard for us, particularly as Americans, to kind of disconnect from from politics, particularly identity politics at this this point. And that's a shame in a lot of ways, because I think we are probably not um, appreciating stuff um, the way we should. Or to put it another way, JP, mm-hmm. oftentimes I think when we look at a piece of work we talk about the person who made it and what their politics were or their um, what they were associated with, and that heavily influences whether we like it or not. Um, you, for example, with Kid Rock. You love Kid Rock and everything. It's funny. No, no, one's ever, so. no, one's, no one's ever said No one's ever noticed that. <laughs> no one's ever... I, I picked up on it immediately. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, Kid Rock is actually not going to do any concerts... Um, were there any COVID safety protocols? Mm. He feels that's too much, a bridge too far. It's not the first. You know, he has the club in Nashville, which he kept open much of the time. And that actually, that club has a staircase behind, like a, yeah, a staircase behind the stage, but it doesn't have a guard railing. And I know people have collected videos in Nashville of people having kind of a wobbly step and just biting it on the way down while a band is well, I would go to that club. I would cl- go to that club just to watch that. Yeah, it's right there on Broadway, but it... Yeah. You have to... And the only way to get there is on one of those, like, multi-wheel, like, bar... Bachelorette party <laughs> right, bar. Right, right. That's the only way you or, or get like in. Or, like, a lime scooter at 60 miles an hour. That's another thing you'll And see. you have to wear, like, a half shirt and a visor to get mm. into that club. Are you going to watch the new season of Disgraceland? By any chance, JP? I don't. Which is the podcast yeah. about uh, musicians behaving badly. You know, I've listened to the podcast and I've enjoyed it, but I don't know if I'll go to the next season. I, I'm, I'm on to other things. No no offense to, to the Disgraceland people. Jake, Jake Brennan is never going to speak to you again. Well, it, the, for, it's a, it's Taylor Swift. It's about Taylor mm, Swift. That's interesting. The, the first mm-hmm. one. 
she's you know she because she took control of her life and her music very, and very also much. there are a lot of people it is actually interesting you know when I was in in journalism we were always trained never to do stories about stalkers because that gratifies the stalker in some way mm-hmm. um, but this is actually about the phenomenal part of the story is about the phenomenal number of people who are really unhealthily obsessed with Taylor Swift yeah. and how they have to take extraordinary measures, which is really, it's it's shocking. It's so upsetting to think about. Um, and then you think about how, how young she was when she became so famous. It's just, it's really strange, but, um, fascinating story, obviously an incredibly talented human being. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, disappointed personally she is that you won't be listening. Well, now that you've kind of sweetened the pot and you told me that it's Taylor Swift, maybe I'll do it. Well, I think you should. And while you're at it, I think you should listen to this cover of Merle Haggard's Mama Tried by Eli Paperboy Reed. I don't think he actually had a paperboy route. It's just kind of... Maybe he did. I didn't look into it. But it's a pretty good cover version. You know a lot about the Bakersfield sound of country music, don't you, I do know a fair amount about it. I have been to Bakersfield, and I have walked around and looked at all the locations where they used to record music, and now it's a muffler shop, for example. Is a muffler shop where they where they made the greatest yeah sort of yeah of its music. of its time yeah it was the uh, it was the it was the yang to the Nashville slick Nashville yang it was the twangy high and tight harmony yang is that is that as it was that <laughs> I don't think you're going to see that on a billboard anytime it was the yin yeah. to the yang of Nashville. That's true, though. It was like where the where the real where the real country music went during those period that period of time in Nashville, like mid fifties, early sixties. They put out a lot of bad music you know, out of Nashville at that time, and somebody had to. Fill when did up. when did the song "Honey" by Bobby Goldsboro come? I have to look that up. I'm going to say '67. And did that come out of Nashville, or did that just come out of the uh, you know, seventh should, circle of I hell? No, I don't. I don't know if that's. But you know, Bobby. Go- well, you should find out. What are you going to say about? What are you going to say about Bobby Goldsboro? And be careful no, right oh, now. Oh no, it's cool. Uh, Bobby Goldsboro was. Uh, let's see. Oh, I was close. Oh no, 1968. Holy moly! Um, Bobby Goldsboro toured with the Rolling Stones and taught Keith Richards a number of interesting alternative tunings. As a matter of fact, there you go. Bobby wow. Bobby Goldsboro influenced the Rolling Stones directly. I had no idea. From Keith's and mouth to your ears. I read I read that. Well, nineteen sixty eight also was the year that Mama Tried came mm-hmm. out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anyway, Eli Paperboy Reed has a cover version of it, and that's why we're talking about it. We got one more recommendation we're going to share with people. JP, are you ready? I am. Um, so we we and I use the royal we, I um, wrote a um, a little piece about violence in Los Angeles this week because there's been a spike in the crime rate of Los Angeles, and I know it moved you deeply, mm-hmm. um, but it really was about how we view crime in L.A. and how L.A. and crime have become kind of associated in popular culture in a different way than cities like New York or London or wherever. Um, it's very associated with the noir and obviously with... Black Dahlia you know, and all that. Black Dahlia, all that kind of stuff. L.A. Confidential, James Elroy, um, really all coming from Raymond Chandler, who was the pioneer of hard-boiled detective fiction. It's back when people said um, things like, Meh, like that. 
Yeah, that when they said, you're, say, you dirty rat, did they say, you dirty rat? Uh, they probably said, yeah, they definitely said that. You, they, or, yeah, they, you got you must have a hole in your head, like that kind of guy. Actually, that's more Brooklyn. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm stepping well, on your L.A. Probably, I mean, the point is maybe they did say that. I don't know why they'd say that unless there was a literal hole in the person's head, which could happen because we're talking about crime. And the point is that uh, Raymond Chandler uh, innovated and created the image of L.A. that is so popularly rendered in in movies and television. And the best and uh, most memorable movie that I can think of uh, that you should go see um, or find, either on TCM or somewhere else, is Double Indemnity, mm -hmm. which was co-written by Chandler and Billy Wilder, the director and it was based on a novel by James M. Kane, and it's all about... What is it about? What is it about, James? Well, it was based on a novel by a man named Kane. I, um... What is it about? It's about a... Uh, is he an actuary? I should remember what he did exactly. He, He's an insurance salesman. I don't... The actuary... I think the actuary is actually... Um, his friend. Right. Ed, or the Right, right. Guy, He's Ed, working... Ed, 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 Edward Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, who actually would have said, he would have said, or whatever you said. Yeah, he was the guy that said that. So good. That's why people make that he's, noise. He's totally the guy that invented the, like he completely is. Yeah, one of my favorites. But yeah, he is um, Fred McMurray, ordinarily uh, the sort of family man, kind of Ronald Reagan type of leading man mm -hmm. straight straight arrow no, straight and arrow. then he just he gets a little tweaked uh because of a lady friend that uh kind of pulls him into her lair or as i like to think it maybe he uh can't con an honest man and he was always a little bent it's never quite clear to me yes he's fundamentally flawed and he is seduced by barbara stanwick barbara stan i said barbara stanwick i meant barbara stanwick uh, one of the great actresses of the era. She convinces him to join a murder plot, and it just goes south from there. It's a fantastic movie, and yeah, it's really good. Raymond Chandler's actually in it. He's actually in a scene in the waiting room of of the insurance company, reading a magazine. There you go. That's interesting, right? It's kind of like a Hitchcock thing because Hitchcock was always doing that stuff. He Hitchcocked it. It was a Hitchcock. Anyway, you should see that movie, Double Indemnity. It is showing on TCM all the time. It's showing this week, depending on when we get this podcast up. But you can go to this. You can go to the TCM website and you can you can find it. Um, JP, I think that we are done with our recommendations for the week. Totally sounds correct. Yes, done. Done. Out of here from the Wag Studios in Brentwood, California. Actually, I shouldn't say that because Brentwood, California is an actual place in the Bay Area. From Los Angeles, it's J.D. Heyman. Only people with initials get to work on this show. <laughs>